This is a story about a girl named Brittany. Hello, hello. I'm Edward Thomas. I would describe myself as a an appreciator of music or someone who is attempting to appreciate music in 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 all of its forms and it's been a very enjoyable journey uh welcome to in five if you're just joining us for the first time thank you very much for coming along i hope you enjoy yourself because uh, i think we're going to uh, i'm joined today by ayana mudoma who is a fantastic vocalist uh some some of you might remember him from uh, from the voice uh a year or two ago when was it now it was 2019, The Voice UK 2019 season. That's right. That's right. And this, you know, it's on YouTube, quite a, quite a lot of views, must be said. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got to know Iron Am through the, through the Manchester scene and uh, uh, just a wonderful vocalist. I'm not just saying this. Because I want to prove them wrong. I've never seen somebody with the ability to so quickly transform basically any cover version into their own inimitable sound and style. And just something about a delivery item. I just want to, there's not many artists that I can say it's like, I'd be happy to just sit and listen to that for about four hours. And with you, wow. it just that, you know, it's uh now you've, you're a, you're a, you're a special artist in that regard. Um, Thanks a lot. Well, it's my pleasure. As I say, I've, I've had the pleasure of listening to you. So, yeah, well, today, today, and at, uh, at INM's suggestion, uh, we are going to be covering uh, Britney Spears. Um, it was a, a choice that fascinated me because it wasn't one that I'd considered, but it falls very much into what I was hoping to come out of the show, which is to have a far, as, as wide-ranging a sort of genre and aesthetic approach as possible. And so I was like, well, well, why haven't I considered Britney Spears? I mean, she's always been there. I remember what a big deal, you know, Baby One More Time was back in the day and Toxic was huge and things like that. And it's like, she's always been there and yet I've never really engaged in that way or, or thought, do I like this? Do I not? She's just there. Um, so I've got to ask to start with, I know, tell me about, why you suggested Britney? What what is your relationship with with Britney? Um, so yeah, so I grew up on sort of on pop music. Um, so I grew up in Nigeria, and my sister used to bring back CDs of like the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, and some of you know that sort of generation, that sort of Mickey Mouse club of musicians, were the yeah. first sort of group of musicians I really sort of moved towards, and you know, you, you know, really inspired me. And the reason why I chose Britney Spears is just because of how her sound has evolved. She's one of the people who I think, um, she almost, for a lot of people, she's become a bit of a caricature. 
<laughs> a certain you know certain you know vocal th- things she does vocally or her sound or you know her life or just you know she's such a but she's I think she's evolved so much more than people give her credit for I think she's one of those artists who people want to kind of fit into a box and say okay this is her sound but actually she's changed so much over time and I thought you know, when you came up, when you told me about the concept of this of this podcast and talking about, you know, five songs that capture certain elements of the musician or the way they've grown, I thought Britney Spears is a great example of someone whose sound has really changed and it's changed with her personality and it's changed with the things she's faced in life. Mm. And, she, you know, she's gone through, you know, a lot of issues that have been in the public view. And somehow her songs have actually dealt with them and talked about them in a way that I think a lot of pop artists would struggle to do. Um, so I thought she'd be quite a good person to analyse and, and break down a bit. Oh, wow. Well, I think I think she is. I think I agree with you. I mean, uh, I had very limited experience, as I mentioned before, of, of Britney, but I knew the big hits. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, she has always been in the in the media spotlight. Uh, often, it would seem, sadly, for the wrong reasons. Um, but there is, you're right, a degree of self reflexivity in that. And I think, in some ways, it is easy to paint her as being having been perpetually controlled and having her direction dictated to her. But that's not always been the case. Uh, unfortunately, it does seem, especially m- more recently that her mental health difficulties, especially in the past, because she seems to have rebounded a lot in herself, thankfully, are being exploited again. And she finds herself being moved about a bit like a, like a chess piece by people who should, she should really be able to trust in all honesty. And it is, it is quite a sad, sad state of affairs that somebody so popular, so, known and so wealthy commodity is just being pushed and pulled for financial gain but it, someone could say it's the it's the name of the game really sadly but yeah anyway I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there too rather <laughs> too early I might say but um just to say a little bit about kind of why I find what I chose from the ones you suggested Britney Spears particularly it's very easy for someone like me who very much was you know born listening to sort of uh, my, my parents' sort of Beatles tapes and things like that. I'm very much a sort of headphone listener huddled in a corner. And that's sort of been my aesthetic as I've gone through. And with a lot of chart pop artists, and Britney's a prime example, it's a kind of complete package where it's kind of, it's dance, uh, it's the music, it's the character, and it's the way that interacts with the persona as well. There is a lot going on. And so to just hear it on a, you know, it's always my temptation to just hear it in a very narrow perspective. But it, she is an artist that needs to be, you know, there's so much going on around her and so much going on in the way she presents herself or has been presented. I uh, I think she's quite, she, you're right. I think it, she has very much, as I've gone through, illustrated, her, you know, her interest and uniqueness uh, to me. But um but yeah, I think it is important. Uh, I feel we should say that we do address, aside from the way she's moved and presented herself and, and, and uh, developed as a as a performer, uh, that we also acknowledge the fact that songwriters and producers have always had a big role to play, often collaborative, but very much have left their mark on her career as she's gone through. And sometimes, especially with those early hits, 
it's very difficult to yeah. separate um, Britney from, you know, Max Miller and his contribution. Because, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's, he is, as much as people slag him off for his kind of, you know, writing, his chameleonic sort of faceless writing of different hits through the ages in different styles for different people, he is very good at it. He is an excellent yeah, yeah, popular sure. songwriter. He, he he displays an enviable capacity to write a solid and memorable chart hit. But anyway, yeah, probably... he captures mm. the he captures the zeitgeist of a time really well as well. Because the mm. songs, for example, like the Hit Me Babies one more time and like her early work, and you listen to it and you think the lyrical content doesn't necessarily it's not complicated. It's not um it doesn't delve into anything that deep, but like it still gets like you still feel like the the energy of it. And like it's still like I still go back. Like whenever I'm feeling down, or whatever I'm feeling like it's a bit of a low night or whatever, I still go back and listen to early two thousands pop. Yeah. And you know, if I had my critical hat on, I'd be like, oh, that's no, that that doesn't add that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything to my learning and everything. But it's just fun <laughs> to listen to in it, and it connects with you in a way that's just very sort of raw. Like it's very like it's not you don't have to you don't have to think about it but it just connects to you and it makes you feel good. It does, and it's so. Um, yeah, but so it's, much it's has gone into making that it. happen as well. I mean, so much. There is a lot of art to it in the way it's written, in the way it's produced, uh, in the way it's packaged, in the way it's performed. And I mean, you listen to the production on any of her singles. So much work has gone into it and layering things and all the layered yeah, vocals yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah. that, you know, it, it, it defies, I think, people's expectation that it's kind of quick book stuff. Because while admittedly, sometimes the writing can go with a lot of chart performers can be so safe that it kind of, you know, yeah. it, it, people can just dismiss it in that way. The amount that goes into hitting all of the right targets that they're wanting to hit, it's I think is important to acknowledge. And it is an art in itself. You might people might not like the end point of the art, but it is. It's it's a it's a definite skill and a craft. But but yes, um I think uh without further ado, um, and to stop myself before I start rambling interminably, <laughs> um let's move on to the first category now i should just fill everybody in in case you're just joining joining us for the first time uh, on how the show's set up as i am said earlier on it's five songs uh that we're picking of different categories and um yeah the first one is a song that we feel represents uh her influences the second will be what we feel to be the most archetypal song of hers the third is what we feel to be the song with the, as many of the best elements as possible. That's not necessarily what we feel to be our best song or our favourite. Uh, the fourth is basically the same inverted. The song we feel embodies as many of her worst elements as we can find. And finally, it's where she is now or her most recent sound. What, what single song embodies that? So, yep. Yeah, without further ado, number one. Influences. So, Ayanam, what's what suggestions have you got there? So, the song I picked was "Me Against the Music," which was a collaboration she did with Madonna. Sexy lady, I'd rather see you bear your soul. If you think you're so hot, better show me what you got. All my people in the crowd, let me see you dance. Come on, Britney, lose control. 
I think it's a bit of a cheeky one because it's literally her and someone who she's stated on multiple occasions is her biggest influence or one of her biggest influences, Madonna. But I think what I liked about it is when I listened to it, you could see she was incorporating Madonna's style, but also making Madonna incorporate her style. So it's a bit of a hybrid of, of the two. And like even the vocals, sometimes you couldn't, you could you could just about tell them apart, but that she'd have like a little, little unique style, but she'd bring that like a sort of hip hop-ish element. And almost sort of bring Madonna into that. Madonna would bring her pop element. And they would almost sort of, you could almost feel like each of them were trying to drag each other into their style, but it, it, it worked. Um, and what I liked about it as well is that um, Britney showed like a kind of like a fearless nature of it. She wanted to show respect to Madonna, but also show like, I'm here now. Like this is like this, you know, now I, I help to dictate the tone as well. Like I'm adding my contribution to what pop music has now become mm. and Madonna and it's almost like an acknowledgement by Madonna saying yes okay I agree this is because Madonna is one of those people who's also I mean I can talk about Madonna for years she's also evolved to sound oh, definitely. a lot but it's almost but I saw it almost like an acknowledgement of the two of them saying okay this is the new sound of pop Madonna is trying to say I can keep up mm. I can um, I can do what you do and it's, it's, it's a very unique um, video and I don't know um, obviously I'm of a certain age and generation but I mean I remember in the music awards where her Christina Aguilera and Madonna like kiss each other and had like a risque moment which at the time was risque I think it'd be less oh, risque yeah, now it's quite... yeah <laughs> and it's quite risque at the time and it was just a statement of that female confidence and female empowerment just saying you know we don't sort of play by rules or you know willing to push the envelope of what is accepted and I think sometimes it's forgotten how influential that was. I think now when also in terms of you know sexual liberation and people just being more confident and people putting themselves out there more. Now it's not so scandalous, but at the time it was. Mm. And you could see the reactions on people's faces at the awards show. And it's just I think it's just their the ability to push the envelope and Britney Spears wanting to help push that envelope even further and almost work alongside Madonna and the Christina Aguilera to keep pushing what was seen as pop and what was seen as acceptable. I mean, Madonna's been doing that for ages with her songs like, you know, Like a Prayer and some of the other songs she's put out. But I think it was good that now pop music was starting to catch up with Madonna, with what Madonna was saying in the 80s, now in the early 2000s, Britney and Christina, with like Dirty and, um, you know, A Slave for You and all that. Mm. They were trying to say, no, this is what women can do. You don't have to be the little sort of vulnerable female saying oh i love this boy blah blah like <laughs> they they control the narrative now they control uh. the pace um so yeah so I, so I so that was a long-winded way of me saying me against the music well no, as i say this <laughs> is all about being long-winded you know seriously i mean have you heard me have you heard me before <laughs> it's hard to shut me down on these things so so yeah no i mean that is a fantastic choice um and it is one of mine. <laughs> so um, it was one of, because basically I had, I had three suggestions for this because I kind of very crudely cut Britney's career up into three sort of phases. 
And I think there's kind of influences, the influences change as they go on. Um, and as I say, this is very general and it's not like this is the music she produced then strictly. Uh, but yeah, um, the first one I picked uh, was, I think it represents how she was marketed, where she came from and what was expected, as you say, of the kind of the Mickey Mouse Club younger performer at the time uh, is sometimes yeah. off the debut album. <laughs> It's a nicely written, but it's a kind of quite standard sort of uh, ballad of the era. The sort of thing that uh, a diva, a female singer might be expected to put themselves across with, particularly in the 80s and 90s. It became less common later on. But um, but yeah, it's got all of those archetypal elements of, you know, you've got your, your ballad chimes and you've got your, your big key change in the end with sometimes I run when it just shoots up at a, uh, just to give it that extra last bombastic push. Uh, it's got this sort of meowy synth line over it. And these are elements, the sound of it and the form of it goes way back to Stevie Wonder, like you and I, but way back in the day, I'm very much reminded of uh, After the Love Has Gone by Earth, Wind and Fire, which has a very similar sort of feel. And I think there's this through line of, it was how ballads, pop ballads were expected to be written. And I think the second uh, era, which I think is represents most of the, of the noughties, roughly, uh, is represented by Me Against the Music. Uh, featuring Madonna. Yeah. I mean, she, it, it, you can't really ignore how much of an influence Madonna was on Britney Spears, but Britney Spears did very much bring her own thing to it. But if you were going to say there was a, a predecessor or forebear to Britney Spears and what she put across, the sort of, uh, the sort of chameleonic sexual songstress, I think Madonna was very much the the previous generation of that. And you're right, it, it, uh, thinking about it, every time I've heard it, I, I have had trouble working out who is who on it. And it's not because there's not, you know, they're not doing interesting things stylistically. It's just they are overlapping a lot and they're kind of toying with, with the style of how they present themselves. And I think at this time, they had kind of coincided in a similar sort of style as well. And so it just sort of seemed like a natural natural marriage there really uh, i think it illustrates that decade for me of britney's music because it shows her whereas her standard mode if there was one in the first couple of records might have been the ballad the big ballad i think that had turned into the sort of the uh, the more adult sort of hip-hop influenced club tune by the early noughties by records like in the zone um I think there was a big cross-pollination with things like Ender Club by 50 Cent with that sort of thing where it was seen that chart pop could be played in the clubs and it sort of was, it was aimed at a slightly older audience. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, 
it is, you know, she is very overtly sexualized, whether that's of her own volition or not. It's hard to say, but at the same time, it shouldn't be forgotten that she did have a hand in the early days in how she was presented. And I think she was a very, by all accounts, she could be very forceful with her own opinion. And she knew how, she knew what sold. You could argue that with uh, with things like Hit Me Baby One More Time, uh, with the Catholic schoolgirl video for that, which, you know, yeah. still is a bit controversial, should we say. Um, yeah, yeah. You could... <laughs> You could argue about about that for a number of reasons, but what is interesting is apparently that was her idea. Um, originally, they wanted to do an animated video, the, the producers. They wanted it to be something, you know, more cartoony and perhaps a bit more fun and wacky. And she said, no, Catholic schoolgirl. And it's almost like she knew intellectually what would sell, even though you could argue yeah. whether she had at the time, which is perfectly understandable, the emotional maturity to understand the, the connotations of why it's sold, but that's a different argument altogether. As I say, though, yeah, it was yeah. her it was her shot and it worked from a strictly commercial perspective. She was she was on the ball there and it was it, it remains an indelible image. <laughs> her with the schoolgirl thing true, dancing yeah. around the lockers. It's a memorable video that for the first single yeah. just set her, staked her out right from the start. But anyway, before I go too far back into that, I'll uh, I'll go to my third suggestion. Yeah, I told you I could go on. <laughs> yeah, my other yeah, one. Good. I, I like it. I like uh, it. Well, as, as long as you're not as long as you're not not enough, and you at home as well. <laughs> as I say, any comments um, about editing or anything, keep them to yourself. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my final one. I just wanted something that represented the last era, which was Till the World Ends. EDM influence. Calvin Harris, Avicii, Pitbull, all of this stuff going on. Uh, she very much jumped on that. I mean, there was a very close relationship she had with Will I Am in the studio. Uh, is it Will I Am? Is it William? I am. Help me. Ah, uh, well, it's. Yeah, I like to call him Bill, but <laughs> Bill. Well, let's call him Bill. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, right. That's um. That very much showed it's uh, it, it, it's like the, the sphere for these things had changed again, where it was kind of it had moved out of it was just a different type of club. It was still an adult setting, but it was a sort of it was more dance based, very much influenced by the UK dance scene, oddly. But um, yeah, that's yeah. evidently what was what was going down there, particularly in those early noughties records. Um, but yeah, do you know what? I'm I think me against the music is about as good as a sort of middle of point understanding of whatever her lineage as as we're gonna get and obviously we both sort of picked it so
Right. Well, on to the uh, on to the second one then. What is the um, what do we feel is like the archetypal Britney song? So for me, I nominated Overprotected. Um, I think the reason why I chose it is because of the way it's it's kind of interesting because I think it has elements of different phases of her career, but all in one song. It has the rebellious nature of saying, you know, she's tired of being, I mean, it's in the name, overprotective. But at the same time, it's got like the hip hop inspired elements of it. So she's got like, I mean, she has two versions. There's, a, there's the original and there's the Dark Child remix. Yes. And none of them ever quite sound the same. And she messes around with all sorts of different vocal styles, different production, all in one song. So it, you know, it has a lot of the sort of, I'm trying to think of the best word to describe it, that sort of start-stop beat, and then it goes back to regular melody, and then there's like elements of like, and like different, if you listen to the song, there's so many different sections to the song if you break it down, in terms of not just the vocals, but also the way the beat is and the way the production is. Mm. The production is never the same for too long in that song and it feels very that's true what i'm looking for is chopped and screwed chopped and mm. screwed and it's kind of it's almost like a frankenstein's monster of, of music and i think that's what her music is in the sense that she adds elements of hip-hop and pop and then sometimes she has songs like every time and lucky from her earlier days and that's very sort of sweet and very sort of um very yeah just sort of just a lovely sweet melody and she i feel like overprotected encapsulates all these elements and kind of has them all <laughs> in one song it has a hip-hop the sweet melody the chopped and screwed sound the things that would that should even apply more in future decades you know with what i am collaborating with i had like mm. everything in one song so i picked up a protected i think it just captures so many different elements of who she was then, who she was before the song, and who she would be after the song. I think it's just such a good melting pot of a song. Well, uh, that is one of mine as well, Overprotected. Oh, wow. Because uh, <laughs> I felt almost exactly the same. It is that midway point, and it captures that cross-pollination period with a lot of R&B, with enough of her earlier sort of more conventionally pop uh, aesthetic going on too. Um and it captures her, I think, as a character uh, between, you know, the... Well, this ties into uh, another of my suggestions, because as I say, I went all out, because some of these I was like, right, well, I've done about three for some of them. But uh, it's this idea that comes across, uh, particularly in her earlier work, of the um, the halfway between a girl and a woman sort of aesthetic. And that is yeah. played on in different ways, you know, it's it, there's actually a ballad um, from the fourth album. Yeah, I'm not called, a girl from yeah. the Crossroads, but the Crossroads film. The, oh, was that what it was I'm for? Not girl, not yet a woman. Oh, that's yeah. Really... It, was, it, was, it was for the soundtrack from the Crossroads soundtrack. Ah, because it's, it's, it's on well, the it's on the fourth the, album. The main album. Yeah, I I, di I didn't even realize yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. It's probably why it sounds so different from the rest of the record, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's presented in various different ways. Um, 
and there's this idea of the of the of the naughty schoolgirl that comes across, but it's the idea of the the innocent with a with a wicked side that's uh, com, you know continues to be to be pushed throughout uh, a lot of it, and that's very much overprotected. It's, it's you know it's in the title. It's like I'm breaking out yeah, yeah. of that, and it is that period of uh, it, it. It marks the sort of the end of an era, perhaps, where she's I guess busting against the shackles of that. But it is falling very much into a repeated motif, which is the, uh, you know, oh, did I do that? The sort of naughty girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, the word oops actually occurs a lot in her. Uh, yeah, yeah oops, like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, oops, I did it again, which is another one of my picks for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, that very much is, that is like an archetypal early single. It doesn't perhaps cover the rest of her sound, but that was very mm. much in the one more time, baby one more time mold. Um, it has the line in it, which I think is yeah, one, yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> one of the defining lines of uh, of that. And it marked her sort of move away from the perhaps the more girlish aspects of uh, presented on the, the debut with that terrible cover for the debut album anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and the other one I came across with is a much later example, uh, which was Clumsy from the... Uh, Oh, yeah. most recent album it kind of goes back to that same aspect of her early career uh, with a similar sort of vocal timbre, but with a lot more dance influence to it, so it kind of it yeah. bookends things. I, th- I think I found a lot of the Glory album to be a bit like that. It felt like it was a bit more of a sort of combining previous eras rather than a new direction. Uh, I worked quite well in that regard. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I think just by by process of uh, process of elimination, it's got to be overprotected, uh, which was possibly my front runner anyway. Mm. So, yeah, works <laughs> for me. I just, I just want to say, neither of us have seen each other's lists as well. So this is brilliant that we have so much in common. Uh, it is always nice because it's like I knew, I knew there was a reason I picked you for this. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> right. What track represents what we feel to be her best elements? I was a bit, I was a bit cheeky on this one because technically it's not her song. It's a cover of oh. a song she did. Um, uh, she covered. A- song called My Prerogative.
one of the things that you were very nice to me about, that you complimented me about taking a song and kind of trying to make it my own, is I noticed like when she takes a song, she also makes it her own. Yes. So my prerogative sounded so much different to the Bobby Brown version. It had like more of an edgier kind of vibe to it. And when you, if you put Britney Spears and Bobby Brown next to each other, you'd always say Bobby Brown is the edgier person. <laughs> but Britney Spears brought an edgier vibe to my prerogative. And I really felt it. And it was sort of like, I feel like she took hip hop elements and she made it, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. She made, she almost made like edgier. Because hip hop is very hardcore and very sort of boom, boom, boom. And she sort of, she takes and she makes her own. But then she also has another song that she covered called I Love Rock and Roll. Mm, and she mm. took that song. And it might be blasphemy to say I, I quite like her version. So I'm sure there's some rock and roll people who'd be like, what, how could you? But <laughs> I just think like she adds, she adds a very sort of like edgy vibe and she brings it. And I think that's why I love hip hop people like working with her. Like she's worked with Pharrell on the song Boys and she's done, oh, yeah. you know, she's done a lot of different hip hop collaborations. She even did a hip hop collaboration with the Yin Yang Twins hmm. um, called Boom. I think is it? I think it's Boom. I'm not sure. It might not be Boom. But she I, did I know song. what you're referring to. Yeah. But um... mm, I can't. Yeah. The name, the name escapes me. It might not be Boom. But, um, hmm. but she collaborated with them. And there's, there's an attraction to that. I mean, Christina Aguilera has done her stuff with Nelly and Puff Daddy, but they, she was sort of used in those songs as kind of like uh, like the person who does the hook. Christina Aguilera is normally put as a hook and they normally keep Christina Aguilera and Puff Daddy or Christina Aguilera and Nelly as separate artists. Britney Spears, you can hear her voice all over, like even when they're rapping, she's adding elements to it and she's sort of, and, and you know, they call her like Miss Britney and like there's this kind of, there's a respect given to her. Hmm. I feel like it's different than most pop artists collaborating as rappers because she makes, she makes their song hers. She has this ability to take your song and she will make it hers. She won't just add to it. She won't just say, oh, can I do a hook? She'll be like, no, no, this is going to get the Britney treatment. And for better or for worse, I think there's a respect given to her for that because, you know, like my progress is the first time I heard it, I'm not going to lie, it was the Britney Spears version. And then mm. I looked at the Bobby Brown version and they don't even sound similar. They, she didn't they even don't. try to make it sound like Bobby Brown's version. She's like, I'm going to give this Britney treatment and whether you like it or not, it's very unapologetic and it's very mm. her style. And you can, and you know, when you hear a voice, you know it's her voice, you know it's her, you know it's her song. Mm. And I think that's great, just the way she owns it. And for me, that's one of the best characteristics mm. I think of hers is that she will take a song and you know she has a presence that's not mistaken and that's unapologetic. And I think if you're going to be a big pop star or a big star in general to get to a certain level, you have to sort of make a statement that you can't, you can't half-ass a statement. You can't mm. say, oh, I'm just going to sing a little bit of a hook. I'm going to just add my little bit here. She, it's hers. The song is hers and she lets other people come on the train with her. It's her world. She lets you live in it in some of these songs. And I think that's, that's great. I respect that a lot, the confidence and the ownership huh. that she takes the songs. I think that was uh, that's a really interesting pick because I think picking a cover version it is it does actually bring into sharp focus the elements of an artist that that are distinctive because it's every you know you know what it's working off uh, and so everything else is, is is must be them do you know what I mean <laughs> and you're right but my prerogative it, I don't know how well received 
or cherished that is as a single of hers. Um, it tends to, I think, maybe because it wasn't on one of the main albums, it perhaps falls slightly to the side. But it is a shame because mm. I think it is. I think it is a really good cover version, actually. Uh, that is, it took uh, a couple of listens for me because it is so different from the original. But I mean, one thing I would say personally about the um, Isle of Rock and Roll one is that I know she wanted to capture something of the atmosphere, the, the attitude, sorry. And I think that did suit her somewhat. I think it's too similar to the original in, in many ways. So it seems a mm. bit, it for me, that seems a little bit pointless. I mean, I know probably for the audience she was aiming at at the time, uh, I don't think they really would have known the Joan Jett version necessarily. But um, yeah, but yeah, no. I think my prerogative—that's a—that's a good call. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, for mine, I uh, again always going overboard with these things. <laughs> uh, there were there were, there were there were three, and I'll try and uh, I'll try and um, keep them brief. Uh, the first one uh, was lucky, actually. Which uh, I love. It has an overtly cutesy style to it, um, but I think it is one of her darker earlier singles actually um i mean although it's you know there's nothing all that new about the uh you know the the tears of a clown kind of uh, lyrical theme which is the sort of the, the sadness behind the the star but i think it's delivered really well um the way she performs it is um well it's, 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 a, it's an excellent vocal i think um I also think as a song, uh, it's it's Max Miller and uh, is it Rami Yacoub? I don't know how to pronounce his yeah, name. Maybe. He co-wrote a lot <laughs> of those early big singles with Max Miller. Um, but uh, as you were saying about Unprotected, which is sort of kind of of the same era, uh, there's not a lot of overt repetition. It's like they always try to mix it up. Each verse is, is delivered differently from the last with melodic variations. Each chorus has something else going on harmonically or it has another melody counterpointing the, the main one. Um, it's a rich production. Uh, I love the bittersweet aspect of it uh, because it has, she yeah. deliberately chooses her her higher register. It's just like she moves between two registers and she has this sort of bubbly sort of uh, constrained higher register, which sounds very sort of cutesy, but putting it in this context. Yeah, she hears a lot, even in her song, um, Every Time as well. Mm, mm. Uh, every time I try to write that song, she does, her voice sounds like nothing you expect her voice to sound like. Mm. And you're right, she does have that higher register, but I feel like she just reserves to, to pass on a certain meaning. Like when she feels she needs to use it to go a little bit deeper, she does. Um, just to add to what you were saying. Yeah, I think it just adds sort of a bit of bite to the fact that it is a very, it's a sad song delivered in a very sort of sugary manner. And I think that really works. 
And I think it, I cannot help but look at it in retrospect. Uh, when you see what happened to her in the in the in the mid noughties and her breakdown and the way that was treated and how uh, she was uh, how how she was treated by the media, especially, it it adds just this unavoidable extra level to the to the song. It actually, makes it, it yeah, make sad, it a little really. more moving than it otherwise would be because there is sadly it's like this. It knows. It knows more than I think it it, it did at the time, if that makes yeah, any yeah. sense. But um, mm, yeah. but yeah, speaking of her voice, I just wanted a piece that I don't think this is a great song. I enjoy it, uh, and I think actually, weirdly, it fails in what it sets out to do for me. Uh, but I think it illustrates something that's often overlooked with her, which is the fact that she is a pretty unique vocalist and she can move between I think people forget how deep her natural register is um and she moves between this far lower uh register and this sort of very different sounding almost cartoony higher register throughout the piece and she experiments with uh with all sorts but um but yeah I've not even said the title yet have I <laughs> it's private <No>. show <laughs> it's private show okay. of, 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 of glory. On my trips, they're spectacular. My own car is immaculate. Swing it to the left, swing it to the right. Strutting on the stage, sending out the lights. Keep it smiling, coming down. Take your seat now. The it seems to give her the space to, to explore vocally more than other previous albums had like the, the the couple of more dancey ones she did in the early 2010s i think constrained mm. her voice somewhat and over overproduced her voice it was a bit too treated to give her a lot of leeway um and this sounds like she's having a lot of fun with it and twisting it all over the place and she goes through all sorts of ideas in this song um I mean, at the end of one of the tracks on the Glory album, there's a little sample, which is probably staged, uh, which says, you know, that was fun. Yeah. But the thing is, I get the impression that <laughs> that was probably drawn from something she actually said, because she sounds like she's enjoying herself and exploring what she can do. Yeah, yeah. And for once, she's actually been given the latitude to do that because it does feel... The freedom, it, yeah. Yeah, it does feel that with you know, the Femme Fatale record and Britney Jean, that she was getting constrained a little bit by production. Um, and I don't know how much of that was her, because I honestly think that, for example, Will I Am or Bill, <laughs> as we might call him, to put a bit too much of his own style on her. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the other one, I'm going to, I absolutely, I mean, this happens to be one of my favourites of hers, is a Womanizer. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. I, I love it. 
Uh, and I think it's the complete package. It's got a great video where she's obviously having fantastic fun developing different dances for several different characters. Uh, it's got her, mm. you know, it brings her skills up as a dancer, brings her skills up as a kind of a, an actor. And the track yeah. itself, uh, not only is it incredibly catchy and propulsive uh, and well-produced, and it's got this really clever siren motif that runs through the whole song and adds this cool bit of sort of harmonic mm. tension to it. Uh, what I love about this is yeah. that it comes from an era at the end of the 2000s with Blackout and this after she'd had this very public, very difficult breakdown. I mean, breakdowns are intrinsically difficult. I don't know why I bother saying that. But, um, <laughs> where she kind of, she felt like she was taking it back and she was actually presenting a response to it. And so you get things like Womanizer and Circus and... Um, piece of me, like, give me things. More as well. yeah where it's kind of she is actually making a controlled statement she sounds almost more mature on those records than she has and more self-possessed than she has at any other point in her career and that comes through this multifaceted production with the video with all the different dancers and the theme of the song as well which is the like kind of i know it's like basically like you think you're manipulating me but I have the control here. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I love the way it's delivered. Um, and the, the cheek of it, that it deliberately, it has the title in it about 50 times over and over again, but it really works. <laughs> and the way she delivers it, it just, yeah, yeah. it sounds so much fun. And I think it's just a, think, a, a great single. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think to further your point as well about the taking back the narrative, taking back that control. Mm. I think when you even look at the song, um, it's it's not as popular as the other ones. If you see K, which obviously um, spells out the word fuck. Oh, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when she's when when she sings about it, you can tell she's like messing with the radio stations because mm. like everyone's playing it. Like you know, if you see K, and it sounds like a nice song, and then you realize, oh no, that's what it means. And she kind of like, I almost feel like she made that song just to mess around. With the radio and just say, no, no, I like I, I'm the one manipulating you. Do you know what? I'd never before like, you mentioned it, I'd uh, never actually considered that. I always wondered, like, well, if you see Kami, that's really that's an odd title. I like that track quite a lot. I mean, I <laughs> I personally I think that the singles off Circus are excellent. They're some of my favourites of hers. But I mean that one is, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's strange lyrically as well. But I think thinking about it as well, it's uh it, it is saying something about her treatment in some way uh this idea of somebody yeah, yeah. being hounded into the back streets effectively um but yeah right well it's the first time we've not had sort of direct common ground but so we've That's got true. basically um right i'm gonna just to I mean, is there any one of mine so we can have a fairer, a fairer bow between my prerogative and, and one of my picks? Is there one of mine that sticks out to you as a, as a good pick? I think for me, it's just... Um, can you name the three that you said again? It was I Lucky. Mean, let me rethink this. Private Show okay. and Womanizer. Okay. I think... I only go with Lucky just because I think it's quite impressive how young she was when she was that um, when she was that intuitive. Yeah, about I things agree. she was going through. 
Mm. Um, I think Womanizer is very good to take it back to the narrative, but I think Womanizer, because Womanizer was in response to, um, was in response to the public rather than in necessarily informing the public. It was kind mm. of like a, it was kind of like a fight back. Whereas I feel like Lucky just shows the intuition of an artist talking about things she shouldn't be talking about mm. when she was, I don't even know how she was, how old she was when she was, when she was I mean, like 17 or 16, I imagine, when she first came out. Because Lucky, I think, was from her first album, if it's, I'm not. It's, it's her second album, but that wasn't far after the... Second. Yeah, I think, I think she was just 18, maybe, when Baby One More Time came out. So she was still just on the cusp of sort of school age, which is undeniably for yeah, the yeah. decisions she was making or sounds like she was making in the studio and from a business perspective was quite young. And as you say, this idea of the, the, the single about the, the, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the flip side of fame, which would prove to be so sadly prophetic, it does seem awfully young to be delivering that so convincingly. So, yeah. And also it's very, also it's very brave. I think I think a lot of people I think her, her bravery I think is under underestimated underrated I don't know what the right word is because mm. when you think of like what her contemporaries were doing at the time like Christina Aguilera is one of my favorite vocalists but she was mm. singing songs like Genie in a Bottle Come On Over like it wasn't it was songs that didn't necessarily really mean anything even Dirty didn't really mean anything they didn't tell you anything about her it was just about it sort of suggestiveness more than anything yeah yeah, it was suggestiveness. It was trying to show the image she wanted the world to see her as. Whereas Britney Spears, mm. I felt like in Lucky, she was very honest. She wasn't yeah. trying to be an image in that song. She was trying to say, this is who I really am. This is, yeah. this is what I am going through. I'm not trying to make you think of me in a certain way. I'm trying to show you who I am. And I think for someone that young, to, to, get to, to put that song out there, yeah. I think um, it says a lot. It's a, it's a testament to her as an artist because I think it's it's very impressive to be that honest, that open, that young hmm. and write something that intuitive. Um, yeah. So I think I, for me, it'd be lucky from those three. All right. Well, so I'm sort of, I would be happy with that one, but it's the question then of uh, lucky versus my prerogative. Um, hmm. um, what are your thoughts? I'm still going with, I'll still go with Lucky. I think my prerogative, although I like what she did with the song and she made it her own, I think in terms of her as an artist, I think having a song of her own that's open, that's that's directly about her. So my prerogative was written by Bobby Brown. So you think if, whether he wrote or someone else wrote it, the words are about him, or at least you're supposed to imagine it's about him. So she took his words and made it her own, but originally the song was his, whereas I feel like Lucky was her original statement about herself mm. so I think just from in terms of just being some of that genuine thing I think lucky just beats my prerogatives as much as I like my prerogative I mean you could argue how how much um direct input she had in the songwriting process for 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 lucky because I think her contributions only really sort of started to filter in in the third album onwards. But at the same time, I think in terms of how she presented herself and the material she wanted to do and the style she wanted to do it in, I think you're probably mm -hmm. right that she did have a certain degree of, of dictation in that regard. But um, but yeah, well, I, I do still think that my prerogative is... Well, a I really can't imagine, like... Mm. 
Oh, so carry, say, carry sorry, just to your point about the look, I just, I just can't imagine Jive Records, who I think she was signed with at the time, mm. I just can't imagine they were very happy initially when she suggested Lucky. Because well, it goes not. against the selling formula of what makes, of what, you know, artists. Like, I remember watching a documentary on Whitney Houston Mm-mm. and how Whitney Houston initially wasn't happy because she felt she wasn't singing a sound that was real to her roots. You know, mm. she felt like, I want to dance with somebody and some of the other songs were not her or not connecting with the audience she wanted to connect with. Mm. But the label were quite influential in terms of, you know, this is what we think will work for you. This is what will sell to the mainstream. Hmm. I can't hmm. imagine whether it was her decision or someone else's, else's decision to go with Lucky. I can't imagine initially people were like, producers were like, oh yeah, let's do that. I'm hmm. sure they were probably happier with her doing another Bubblegum song. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. I think it does stick out a bit. That is quite something. I mean, and weirdly hmm. enough, it wasn't much of a hit actually in America. It, it, I think yeah. it, it scored relatively low in the top 40 uh, compared to all of the surrounding singles, which I strikes me as odd because it is. It's damn catchy. Um, you know, it's got a really yeah, strong maybe chorus. Maybe people weren't ready. Maybe. Maybe people weren't ready for it, I think, at the time. I think I think it was I think it was a song before its time, even though it's catchy. Hmm. I think people weren't ready for an artist to be that open. Maybe not. Because in that generation there just weren't that many everyone was doing love songs. I guess um, not. And I mean they went from straight from love songs to sort of, you know, your club bangers sort of thing. So yeah. Maybe maybe you're right there. I mean, it, perhaps it does uh, sort of forecast a more confessional age for um, for female singers songwriters. You know, that you know, it's I associate far more with say the 2010s, the more sort of confessional yeah, yeah. chart pop things. You know, you get things like Beyonce's more recent records. But um, I mean, mm. it's possible. Yeah, maybe it was an influence. Maybe it's in the back of their mind. You don't know. But what I was going to say about my prerogative is that. I think that by picking a cover version, as I say, you've, you've illustrated what strength she does bring to that and that she could completely reconfigure something. I mean, she did a similar thing on the um, second album with I Can't Get No Satisfaction, which, while I don't necessarily think that's, that's a great true. cover version, it's an interesting one. It doesn't sound anything like the original. Um, and she does yeah. make it her own. It fits into the album and it fits in with the theme as well. But, um, oh... Do you know what? I am boy bias. I'm going to have to go with Lucky because I just like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> and so, with your blessing, I mean, uh, should we go with that? Yeah, well, I, I'm, can, I'm I can see. I, I agree, Lucky. <laughs> I'm happy with Lucky. I am as well. And it kind of it doesn't really. It's never really registered as a lot of people's one of their favourites of the earlier singles. It doesn't seem, and it's a shame. I think it's misunderstood. Yeah. I think people think it's treeclear than it is, because it's it, it's got a far, mm. sort of you know more difficult themes to it than the surrounding songs, but it sounds more bubbly in some ways. I like that. But... Um... Yeah, yeah, it does. You're right. Well then, without... Uh... I'm going to stop saying without further ado. I say that every 12 seconds. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain key phrases in this that I am trying to eliminate. No, and I don't know I'm doing them. I it's say, good to have them. <laughs> I say without any further ado and then say something else and go back to the thing that we were supposed to be getting onto. So it's a pointless <laughs> phrase. It gives you your. You- it gives you a unique tone as a presenter. <laughs> oh goodness, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm paying too close attention. But there's certain little vocal ticks I have. That I'm like, oh, I should not do that. That's just annoying. But, um, <laughs> anyway, right. The 
track that we feel contains the essence of her worst elements, if we can, if we can lock them down. I don't know. What do you? Yeah. Well. So yeah, for me, I kind of picked controversial. I picked "Hit Me Baby." <sighs> Hit Me Baby one more time. Her debut song. become a caricature mm. of her because of like the sound like the way she says the word baby and all those things that really don't feature in absolutely like if you look at her catalogue that features in less songs than you think that mm. sort of those intonations and it's that also... sound and just and the and the vocal part of it becomes so because that was her debut and the music video and that song is so ingrained in people's heads Mm. I think for a lot of people who don't like Britney Spears, I think a lot of it comes from that song in that they still see her as that person who who hits her in a certain way. I mean, sometimes she still does, but it's, it's not as often as you think. It's not like saying it's not her, her go-to. She doesn't do it in every single song. She does it like in maybe one or two songs out of the entire catalogue. Mm. Um, and I think she's unfairly judged on that song because of a few things she did in that first song. And I was watching like a, a thing with a Jimmy Fallon show where Ariana Grande was on it. And they said, can you sing this in Britney Spears style, like do vocal impressions? Mm-hmm. And she sang it just like the way Britney Spears sang, you know, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah, that is a long because time it, ago now, isn't it? Yeah, it's about what, 20, almost like, yeah, I think it came 21 out 99, year, 21 year, 21. 22 years, actually, because it's 99. 22 that years now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but it's become so associated with her and I think it's done her more damage mm. than good at least amongst critics I think fans will be fans regardless and fans and people who love that song love that song with such a divisive such a polarizing track and I think it's one of her few very polarizing tracks the other one I was going to put I was one between that song and scream and shout but she did with Will I Am oh yeah Bring the action. Rock and roll. She doesn't really sing in that song at all. And I think I think she almost was, and for me, I'm very much a melody. Like I need I felt like it felt like a lazy song. Mm. But then I was looking at some of like the comments and some of the feedback people said about song and what it meant to them. And you know, the way she used the words in you know, Britney Bitch and that and how that became such a big thing. And a lot of people <laughs> found scream and shout empowering. And I said, well, okay, maybe that's not fair for me to take you know, established scream shout just because I'm not a massive fan of it. You know, it, it did a lot for a lot of different people. So I decided actually hit me baby. I feel it's done her more damage than scream and shout. And mm. I think some of her worst traits were in hit me baby one more time. And I think it's had the more lasting legacy in a lot of people, a lot of critics' minds. And whenever they want to attack Britney's musical style, that's the song they have in their heads, I feel. That's it. So yeah, so my choice is hit me baby one more time. Yeah, no, that's that. Uh, I think you're right. That image, 
of that video with that production and those vocal intonations are, I think, shorthand still. That 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 video seems to have been such a cultural event that it has sort of acted like an albatross for her in many ways, even though she's had, oh, I don't know. I mean, she's had comparable hits, certainly. I mean, you know, Toxic was very big. Womanizer, I didn't realise, was massive. That was a huge seller. Yeah, yeah. But it's a shame because, I mean, they are, they're both completely different from Baby One More Time. Mm-hmm. Totally different in genre, very different in mood and the way they're conveyed by her. Um, but but you're right. No, that's an interesting way of doing it because it kind of, it it, it typecast her in a way, even down yeah. to the sort of the naughty schoolgirl thing, which I think perhaps both her and the people she's worked with could have done more to dispel that aspect. Mm. But that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, um, interesting you should raise... Uh, Bill, will I am? <laughs> but, um, because I've got to say, one of listening through her stuff, you know, going cycling through it as I've been doing my Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> Don't tell yeah, work. Yeah. Um, but I love, uh, I love the level of focus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think will I, will I am was honestly one of the worst things to happen to Britney Spears. That era of her music yeah, is, but... is my least favourite of, of all the stuff she's done. Mm. I think she's bounced back somewhat with the Glory era yeah. material. I do not like Will Am's production style, and I do not like his songwriting aesthetic. He seems to reduce pop music to a meme level. I mean, you look at something like Time, the Dirty Bit by Black Eyed Peas. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's Black Eyed Peas. Now, I yeah. think that's such a cheapening song i mean the thing is i cannot imagine he looks back on that as with pride as a piece of music i can imagine he purely looks back on it with pride as having made a shitload of money because it's it's a a shame Mm because i know we're not talking about will i but i remember like listening to his songs like from like bridging the gap and the old black ip songs and in terms of the music and the lyrical integrity he felt you know, I mean, I don't wanna. I feel like I do like him as a person, but I do think there's a, like a laziness to some of the, <laughs> the songwriting agree. and some of the. Um, and I think, unfortunately, in Scream and Shout, Britney did get a little bit lazy because essentially all she said was the sound bite over and over again. Mm. And it was, it was, Which, wasn't that pretty much taken? That's the same sound bite that's the beginning of Gimme More, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just over and over again. So to um, say it's a Britney collab is a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I felt bad because it is one of the songs I just like from her the most. Just I don't think she tried. No. It's, and it just feels like it's like anyone could have been there saying, you know, saying a few words, just talking, and it could have been anyone on that song. And I think it kind of did a disservice to her ability. That that is a good pick, and I I'm very glad that uh, you you did bring up Will I Am in this because if you didn't, I was definitely gonna um, <laughs> because I think particularly on the Britney Britney Jean album, he has a fairly large hand in that, and uh, I honestly think there's a, the middle part of that album is seems to be the same attempt over and over again to make an EDM influenced sort of four chord yeah. sort of transcendent 
transcendent, sorry, club anthem. And there's no mm. real content. It's all sound and noise and very... build-ups. And I, I just, it, it seems so Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's not really catchy enough. It's just, it's all about the build and the big reiteration of the of the main melody on those Ibiza synths. And so many songs yeah, follow exactly. that mold. They're interchangeable. So the one I the one I picked that had his had his cheapening mitts on them was uh if I've got this here, it should be easy. It doesn't I even really... have that one actually. You probably have, but you can't really remember bad? it, is the issue. Because <laughs> <laughs> I struggle and I keep hearing it and it refreshes itself because it has no real chorus. <laughs> it's one of those songs, like a lot of the collaborations he did with her, that just have the breakdown yeah. that has the same melody again that sounds a bit like Avicii or something. And it's so calculated. And she is so, she's not in it that much. But when she is, her vocals are so sort of preened and treated that it could be yeah. any generic female artist. And that's perhaps what I dislike about that era the most is that they just make her sound like anybody. And yeah. the big focus with those couple of records from the early 2010s seems to be replicating the sort of EDM chart pop stuff. Uh, it's not really got much personality to it and i think that's a real shame but she did i feel bounce back to some degree um yeah the other pick because i only had two for this uh which you might be grateful to hear quite 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 reserved of you <laughs> quite not, well yeah definitely um the other one i, I mean I, I think some people might like this song a lot more than i do but outrageous the impression it's not a disliked song necessarily but um not only do i think that it's the sort of sweaty sexualized dance floor style of of, of her lyricism at its most mm. base level i mean it's the most vacuous materialistic track in the world it's like you know, outrageous, my shopping spree, outrage. And it's like, oh, come on, yeah, yeah. say something. <laughs> Have a personality beyond sort of accoutrement. But um, it's just, a ch it sounds really cheapening. I keep using that word, but, but also yeah, adding to that, it illustrates, whereas a lot of other tracks from, from that era, you know, brought in more Eastern influences it, on, on Toxic, for example, uh, or on yeah, something yeah. like even, you know, I'm not a big fan of the single, but I think it's memorable, uh, Big Pimpin' by Jay-Z. Mm. 
it's catchy. It's great, and it uses those instruments in there in a unique way, and it works. Whereas I think what happened with Outrageous is it's in that same era there was this sort of crass, cringy, like Middle Eastern shorthand going on. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, th- do you know what? It reminds me of like the worst Eminem tracks of the era, things like Ass Like That, which you kind yeah, of, yeah. I keep expecting this track to just go, doing, doing, doing. There's just, it's almost some of the worst elements of its era. I guess they're almost kind of like cynical songs in that sense, because it's just kind of like, yeah. they, it's kind of like they know what works, so they said, okay, let's just feed, force feed them over and over and again and it's bound to make some money so it's kind of like a yeah it's very like built in a lab it, like it's not real like heart there's not a lot of heart to it it's very much lab grown there's not a lot of like soul and i think that's that is something of an issue i have with with those couple of records there with britney and in the zone there which has some great songs on them well i think in the zone does i'm not so sure about Britney overall but um there's this sense of there there are a lot of different styles going on there which in many ways is is very admirable I mean it goes all over the place there's something that's probably going to fit everyone to some degree but at the same time it sounds like they don't know where to go stylistically so they have right this is our Eminem style track um you know this is the the full-on ballad I mean how, how is you know uh, not a girl, uh, not yet a woman, on the same album as Outrageous. I mean, what? That seems yeah, such there, a there, there are a lot of messages. <laughs> but it seems like they they didn't. That was an era where they were trying to find where to go next with her, and it's it sometimes worked with stuff like Toxic, um, yeah. but it sometimes I don't think it did. I like but, to think Outrageous was was a compromise for having stuff like I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. I like to think that they were like, okay. Like you can have that song that you like, but also we need this song that will get the charts going. I like to think there was, a, there was, there was an element of compromise with Fender producers. Where, well, it worked. I mean, as I say, you can even <laughs> yeah, you can even say the same with like Will Am's contribution. It's like, well, it it worked. You know, Scream and Shout was a huge hit. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, there are two there are two ways to look at it. Um, in terms of that category what are her worst sort of mm. characteristics captured in a song is in terms of lasting damage mm. i feel like because she was already established by the time screaming shout came there was going to be no lasting damage from that song because the library was already so full mm. Mm. i think i think the one thing that the one reason why hit me baby one more time i still think is kind of like the one to the one a that is scream and shout mm. it's just because i think because her debut song was a song which was so easily created into caricature, I think it's done more damage to her than Scream and Shout because Scream and Shout is almost like it's almost like it's almost like when you see like someone coming out on stage. I mean, obviously it's very different, but like someone coming on stage and playing the hits and playing what they know works, and then they throw one experiment around. You're more likely to forgive the experiment. Because you know that nine times out of ten you'll enjoy their music. Yeah. So you you're willing to you're willing to excuse one you know a few lazy songs here and there because you think okay well the overall like I mean like even um, I'm trying to think of a good example like Madonna 
Mm-hmm. She can make some controversial. She, she basically, it'll take a lot for her to ruin her legend status. She can make a lot of mistakes and people will remember her. And for a while, it'll be a scandal. But like mm-hmm. her overall legacy is pretty much enshrined. There's not, there's not a lot she can do no. outside of like, you know, God doing some sort of travesty, like some sort of travesty yeah. to destroy her legacy. It's and she's moved in so many different same. directions. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and the same with Elton John. Mm. It will take a lot of effort for him to ruin his legacy. He'll have yeah. to really work hard at it and create like yeah. a like two albums of disastrous songs back to back. I think "Me Hit Me Baby" one more time just always stands out over um what do you call it over "Scream and Shout" because I feel like because you only get one chance at first impression. Yes, and I think I think unfortunately that gave that song the some of the intonation she did with her vocals. Gave a lot of material to a lot of critics of her, and I think that's damage that will never be quite repaired. Well, I think that I'm in two minds about that because I think you are absolutely right that it has cast cast a sort of shadow over her career that doesn't illuminate some of her other strengths. But then again, I think um, in itself. I think it's a really good performance and I think it's a classic song. It's a great song, I agree. Mm. Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, there's nothing technically wrong with what she's doing in the track. In fact, I think it's spot on for what needs to be done. But I know what you mean. It's oh, yeah. it's, it's it's disconnecting the legacy from the track. I quite like the song. I think mm. I was thinking it a bit sort of objectively. It's kind of like, there are a lot of songs I like by her. That I, love you. Like, I like Sometimes. I really like Sometimes. And it's I like nice. to drive it. I like the song Crazy as well. Crazy is great. Crazy. Especially the single version and that was done. I think it was only released in this country, but it was great. My dad got the, her, her debut CD. And I remember like, I had a favourite song and he had a favourite song on it. And we just mm. go back and forth between our favourite songs in the car. And so he listened to Sometimes and I would listen to Crazy. And like, we just mm. go back and forth. And like I love the music video, but I like Melissa Joan Hart and like you know, Clarissa and Sabrina. Oh, yeah. and all, like, it's all... It's all like my childhood stuff. So I think there is that. I think nostalgia is always the best comfort food when it comes to music. You know, you want something that, you know, that, that you remember at a key stage in your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm with you there because I, yeah, I, I so think. I'm, I'm torn on what song to pick for the, what song to agree on for the number four then. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give you, I'll give you a screaming shout. Because I mean, in terms of, there's no melody. Maybe might have done more lasting damage, so I don't know. Um, well, I, I, well, let's put it so. Will I am occurred for whatever reason on both of our lists. <laughs> so, <laughs> while I picked a different track, I do think that you are probably spot on with scream and shout because I don't like it either, and I think it represents. I, I think, yeah, maybe I am being a bit harsh by saying, "Will I am full stop?" Nah. Because right, <laughs> I don't know his early stuff as well, but by all accounts, he actually started off. I, I might also know, decent. Be, <laughs> he started off decent be, and then went I downhill. Might be, <laughs> I might also be biased because I met him on the voice and he's really nice to me. So I'm picking up my words. <laughs> well, fair <laughs> But I do think some of his late, I do think some of his later music though, has has been a bit on the lazy side, and I think it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I do think he clearly has a creative mind or clearly he likes technology and he likes all of this stuff but I think he comes to obsess with what he thinks is mainstream Yeah, and is trying so hard to be at the cutting edge of tech 
techno, whatever, mm. that he forgot the heart and soul that was at the core of his music. Well, that's a good way of putting it, it. Like whereas, but because whereas the love wasn't wasn't a wasn't a technical in terms of just like the they weren't also it wasn't heavily produced a song mm. like Where's the Love. It was quite a simple melody, simple track. It wasn't it wasn't chopped and screwed or whatever. It's just a simple track that had more heart and soul <laughs> to it, had more feeling. Yeah. Whereas I think now it's become very much a what else can we do on this computer? While I think Will I am knows exactly what he's doing with this stuff and it's worked, I think there are people who do the same sort of thing far more gracefully and with far more artistry. I mean, from a commercial standpoint, it evidently works. He doesn't need to do it with, with more dynamism or grace than he does it. But at the same time, I think, I think there's something very crass and unsubtle about the way he produces nowadays. Uh, and I mean, those tracks yeah, on and, on Britney Jean, which I, I gather was a little bit rushed. So maybe I'm being a bit unfair. A lot of his productions, very loud. Everything is loud. All the drums are loud. And it's a very wall, wall-like production. There's not a lot of, no, yeah, it's not yeah. layered. You know, it's, it's noisy mm. and there's a lot of different sounds, but it's all banging up against the same wall. But, um, I mean, would you accept for that? I mean, aside from my own, you know, evident evident grudge <laughs> against Will I Am, will you accept Scream and Shout as a compromise then? Uh, I, I will accept it. I will accept it. Cool. Because I wasn't going to sleep if Will I Am wasn't, <laughs> wasn't on something ridiculous here. He's not no, getting I away this I... time. <laughs> I think I think I think I think Scream and Shout is very cool. I think I think yeah, that accepts. That's fair. Cool, cool. All eyes on us. All eyes on us. All eyes on us. I wanna scream and shout and let it all out and scream and shout and let it out. We say you know. Right now, finally. Where is Britney now with her sound? What what track represents so, where she this, is? This might also not make you happy. I don't know. But I put as my fifth one work bitch. I always am a massive fan of the song, mm. just because it's a lot of spoken stuff. I always like people singing more. Oh, but I, agree I think in terms of, I think in terms of her personality on the song, it's very reflective of who she is now. So I think there's a confidence in her. Like if you look at, um, even if you look, for example, at songs like Toxic, yes, you know, where she's a, bit, a lot more confident, or Slave, you know, or um, Slave for You, I think, or Womanizer. Mm, it's mm. it's very sort of focused around the man. The man plays a key role in in who she is, like the male character. So whether mm. it's a character she's having revenge on, or a character she's, or like in a very very early work, character she's just so deeply in love with, or whatever. The man is still sort of he plays a very important role to her. Whoever mm. whoever she is as the character in the music video and the song is based around who the guy is. I think in like Workbitch and some of the songs that she has in, in like Glory and all that, she's a main character now. That is, and that's she's a really good point. Other, 
Yeah, so she's kind of, she's at the center of the video and she's not necessarily working off anyone else. So there's no man who's making her either act angry or act happy. In fact, the man is not even, is not even part of the discussion. It's, if anything, he's a plaything. Yeah. You know, but she is, she is the main, she is the reason why she feels the way she feels. She, she is the cause of her happiness or sadness in each song. She's the cause of her own empowerment. Whereas I think in albums prior to, um, you know, You Better Work, Bitch, that song, she was either angry at a man or happy with a man or having revenge on a man. But it was always her reacting to a male, either protagonist or antagonist or whatever you want to call them. Whereas I think now, and even with Glory and even the song she did with um, is it G-Easy and all this stuff like that, mm, mm. She, she controls it. She might have the guy come in, even like do a dance for her, or whatever. Have the dance, guy kind of impress her, and she might dismiss him, or she might keep him as a plaything, <laughs> or like in you know, like she literally, she literally has women on like whips or whatever, and she's like walking them, saying them, "You better work." And it's this kind of vibe of now she's the center. She's the reason why she feels the way she feels. She controls her environment around her. So I think for that reason, whether I like the song or not, so. Sort of, regardless but it's for that reason of that taking full control of the song of her being the subject matter her being the key element and not having to you know not having anyone else be the cause of her feelings i think that represents her new direction you know she's that confidence it's like a next level i think that's no that's a really that's a really strong argument i think um i mean it's not I, I I'm not a big fan of that track, but I don't I certainly don't think it's one of the worst tracks on the album. Uh, I think it's better than a lot of the uh, the the EDMish stuff in the middle of the record. But no, I think that's a that is a good point. And it's weird for my for my best. I was really till the last minute struggling between Womanizer and Circus. And when you were saying that, that reminds yeah. me a bit of Circus as well, which is this generalized sense of taking sort of things into her own hands in a more general sense. It's not just about that relationship. Um, it was, again, this idea yeah. of reclaiming control over her life and um, projecting that outwards as a symbol of, 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 of empowerment, as you say. And that's, I mean, that's why I love those circus era singles. But thinking about it, yeah, you're absolutely right that with, you know, Work Bitch, I mean, it, is, it isn't, Men aren't part of the equation there. It's a message to yeah. her and women, you know. It's um yeah, in yeah. fact it, it's almost now I realise it, it goes at pains not really to mention men at all <laughs> in the song. From even the little bit of seeing the video, it's it's her and other and other girls, and she's sort of it's like an instructional video for women saying, if you want, want this, you've got to do it, you've got to get it for you. Actually, yeah, even the lyrics of the song, if you want a car, you have to work. That's one of the things that very few pop artists um, do, mm. at the, at the, you know, in terms of just saying, like, okay, I mean, like, because Beyonce did it in a lot, in a lot more sort of, in the less, I don't know, actually, Beyonce was, which is a subtle song, but in a less mm. subtle song, Beyonce was like, who runs the world, girls? Mm. And I think there's still, I think in Beyonce's song, there's still a, a reference to men, even though men aren't mentioned. Well, men are mentioned, but it's kind of like who runs what girls to show that girls mm. are more powerful than men or girls, you know, girls are the ones in control. 
<laughs> Britney Spears and her song doesn't even reference men at all. Yeah, I think I suppose it's you could like say independent women like or something. I mean, that's very higher. Yeah, as a, as a track, I think yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I I might question how much she has you know, completely generally moved away from that because I mean there's still a lot of there's still a lot of romance oh, of course, yeah. on uh, on Glory, the album, you know. But um yeah, I, I'm not sure uh, how much it's it's seen an overall shift, but I do think you're you're quite right to pick that up as a, a significant strength of that single, which sometimes I'm, you know, um I'm, I'm listening to it perhaps on sort of very uh very simplistic kind of musical terms in a way and thinking of like, well, you know, that's that's a bit repetitive, isn't it? But it's like, well, I suppose it is. Sort of re- <laughs> it's rhetoric, I suppose, isn't it? So I guess there is some grounds yeah. for it being like repetitive. A to, it's like a, like a call to arms. Yeah, so that's a fair point. That's I a fair suppose. point. Um, I mean, my, my pick, um, it's interesting. I think w- without even doing it consciously, um, the one that I was picked, I mean, I, I was originally wondering whether to put Clumsy in this category, but it went in another one. But um, the one I was looking at was uh, Slumber Party off the last one. Glory, the album, represents her reclaiming some of her older style, but with with the lessons learned in the interim. So you get these tracks like Liar that are um, and, and clumsy that have that dance element, but delivered with far more individual character. And she's brought yeah. back the, the the more bubbly upper register voice, which is so synonymous with her. Um, and so it's kind of, it stands as, as, as like a bookend, as, as, as I mentioned, but Slumber Party, again, that's a sort of, that's a, it's a private space. It's nothing it's to like, do. Yeah. It's nothing. That's again, nothing to do with men. It's about women together. Yeah, yeah. If I'm recalling the lyrics correctly, uh, enjoying themselves. And it's, it, it also, I think the title Slumber Party, it is almost deliberately supposed to evoke that earlier, like yeah. schoolgirl, naughty schoolgirl thing. But it is reframed as something a bit more, well, I, I don't know if I'd say mature, but it's more adult, perhaps. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I think I think also to your point as well, like if you see like her, her earlier schoolgirl stuff, like hit me maybe one more time, it's still about about a guy. Yeah, it's about her, like with a high school boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. I think with Slumber Party, as you were saying, it's her and her friends, her, her own friend. It's not, re- it's not her trying to get with the guy, telling the guy, please come back to me or whatever. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a song about her and her, her and her friends just hanging out and having fun and not needing mm-hmm. men. So it's almost like the same, it's almost like the same setting but different situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I didn't realize I hadn't. I'll be honest, I hadn't considered that aspect of it, but uh, that seems to sync up quite nicely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but so between Slumber Party then and uh, Work Bitch, what, what's I mean, the I'll, call? I'll give you Slumber Party. Slumber Party, I like the concept of 
it coming full circle. I like the idea of like, because uh, it, it's the, almost sort of like, I wouldn't say the end of a journey because I'm sure she'll have other albums. It's kind of like that full circle around her still being able to find the other Britney, but like at the same time, it's a more independent Britney. So it's like her addressing maybe the same scenarios, but from a, from a different perspective. Um, so I think, you know, I'll give you Slumber Party. I think Work Bitch is like, ele- is like one of the elements needed to get Slumber Party. So maybe like, you know, if you come out with Work Bitch, there's stuff from um, In The Zone and all that, like you add everything together. And then maybe she needed to take all those steps to get to Slumber Party where she's actually content. And it doesn't necessarily need to always be like, it doesn't need to be aggressive songs. Now she can actually sing about like, now she can, it's almost like after you finish the battle, Mm-mm. And you can sit back and relax. You know the job's done. And like now yeah. she can sing from a relaxed perspective. Because I guess like because work which is quite um it's quite a quite a fighting song in a way. Even the word glory is indicative of a victory. Yeah, yeah. That she, you know she she's proven her point. That she's she had she doesn't have anything else to prove. All right, you've sold me on my own. You've sold me on my own choice. So, okay. All right, I'm I'm happy with your pick of my pick of slumber party. (laughs) You see how I work these things. (laughs) It's like Jedi mind tricks. Jedi mind tricks. (laughs) I'm really not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, fantastic. We've 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 uh, we've been through a lot, and I'm I'm just gonna wear. just going to sum up what our little um, summary mixtape is. That's summary with an A. Yeah, so influences. Uh, we decided on me against the music uh, with Madonna. Yeah. Um, for the archetypal sort of garden variety, middle of the road Britney, uh, we decided on overprotected. Yeah. For the best, the track that we felt contained uh, a lot of her best attributes. Uh, we decided on Lucky for the track that we felt uh, contained a lot of her worst attributes. We had uh, Scream and Shout uh, Horror Bill. featuring <laughs> quote-unquote Will I Am. Uh, that's the important bit there. And uh, yeah, for the track that, that sort of illustrates where she is now, we uh, settled at the slumber party, uh, which sounds a bit weird, yeah. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make a pun and I probably shouldn't have bothered. But yeah, no, I think I, I thought I thought I thought it was great. Ed. I thought it was great. <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm not. So sure. I think it's questionable myself. But, but anyway, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Thank you for suggesting, Brittany. Yeah, because, that was really uh, I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this uh, this uh, trawl, and it's, it's illustrated yeah, too, a lot man. of things it, I didn't it know. It makes me think of yeah, it makes me think of like psychological stuff as well. It's quite interesting, like seeing trying to understand an artist's psyche and like the their mm. journey. It's quite it's quite cool. I like this concept. It's, it was a lot of fun to to do. Yeah, I I agree. I agree, and it's been great having you on. Um, who knows? Exactly. I mean, if you're up for it, you could. Uh, you're welcome back to do another artist sometime in the future. I'd, I'd, I'd love, I'd love that. Sounds awesome. So my yeah. my ranting has not put you off. That's always pleasing to hear. <laughs> no. Good, 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 good. It's not much more to do than to say thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you again so much, Iron, for coming on the show. 
It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, yeah, well, check his music online. out. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave her linked in the show notes. And yeah, everybody, strange times, but take care and we shall endure. Um, but yeah, from, from me and from Ionam, uh, goodbye and take care. Mm-hmm.